0: Hi there, welcome to Liquidation Preference, the podcast that discusses everything founders need to know about startup law and venture capital over a beverage of our choosing. I'm your host, Andrew Kuzma, and I'm glad you stopped by for a quick drink. Today, we will perform a high-level overview of the Series A term sheet while I enjoy an Oktoberfest. So grab a drink, pull up a seat, and let's get into it. Today's episode is brought to you by Koosmaul Legal, the law firm dedicated to helping founders navigate the legal process of starting, running, and fundraising for a startup. Head on over to koosmaullegal.com. That's K U S S M A U L legal.com to read great material tailored for founders and get help with all your startup's legal needs. I chose an Oktoberfest for today's discussion because I always look forward to its seasonal release every single year just like many founders anticipate their Series A round and getting that Series A term sheet. Now, if you're new to the whole fundraising process, you may be asking yourself, what's the difference between the seed round I just raised, say six months to a year ago, versus the Series A round that I'm planning to raise or I'm currently raising right now? There are a few differences, and the first one is in the amount that you raise typically in your series A round you're going to raise anywhere between or at least from what i've seen companies raise anywhere between 6 million to 9 million dollars compare that to your seed round where i typically see companies raise you know well under 2 million and you can really kind of sort of see why so many founders anticipate this round because of that huge increase in funding the next big difference is the type of investors In your Series A round, your main investors are going to be venture capital firms. Now, for those of you who don't know, venture capital firms, what they do is they go around and they raise or gather money from certain groups of people who they're going to call their limited partners. I'm not going to really dive into the whole mechanics of it, but suffice it to say, the limited partners are usually very high net worth individuals, institutional investors like pension funds, family offices they go to them they create a fund raising money from those investors and then they take that money and invest them in private companies and startups for example compare that to your seed round where your main investors were probably a handful of just angel investors who probably they're typically entrepreneurs who've had a few successful exits and want to get into the investing scene however becoming more and more common now for venture capital firms to create specific funds for the seed stage so you may have already had some sort of experience with a venture capital firm from your seed round the next difference is in the type of equity sold in your series a round you're always selling preferred stock it's called preferred stock because this stock has special rights and protections attached to it unlike the common stock that you and your co-founders hold. While we're not going to dive into the specific rights and protections that are normally attached to preferred stock in this discussion, I will say that they can be divided into two broad categories. The first are terms that give the investors certain economic protections. The second are terms that give the investors certain control rights. Now, this is a lot different than your seed round where you most likely sold a convertible note. Or a safe agreement. And if you remember from our last discussion, I rarely recommend that you give any sort of special rights to people in your seed round who hold a convertible note or a safe. The next difference is what the entire process looks like from beginning to end. If you remember from our last discussion, we talked about what the seed round looked like you know, from beginning to end. I went through all those specific steps. In the Series A, it's pretty similar, pretty much follows the exact same path that I described. However, there are a couple differences. The first being the term sheet that gets drafted. Who drafts that? Well, in our seed round, it was typically you, know, you or your startup attorney, hopefully your startup attorney drafted the term sheet. In the Series A, it's the actually the venture capital firm, the lead investor, the one who's going to be putting in the most money in your round, who's going to be drafting the term sheet. And there are many reasons for this, but the main and most obvious one is that these firms make an investment every couple of weeks. Sometimes some are making more and they want to have their own uniform form. They don't want to have to be bogged down by reviewing every single term sheet that's given to them for a potential portfolio company. It just makes the process streamlined and easier for them. When you get into the definitive deal documents like the stock purchase agreements, the investor rights agreements, that is when it kind of goes back to the whole seed round process there. Your startup attorney is going to be drafting those and your attorney is also going to be drafting all the necessary board consents that you need for the raise. Building off of that, the due diligence process in your Series A round is a lot different than your seed. It's different because it's longer and it's more in-depth. Now, this is due to the amount and type of documents that are requested in this stage from the venture capital firms, more accurately, their attorneys. Now we've talked about what the due diligence process is and what it's for. So I'm not gonna dive into that, but I will talk about the types of documents that are typically requested and pretty much almost anything and everything that you can think of. They're gonna request your certificate of incorporation. They could request all your board minutes and more and everything in between. So you can see why you have to spend more time gathering those documents and producing those documents. Now, in that same vein, this process can also lead to a lot of what I call corporate cleanup. Some of it can be very extensive corporate cleanup because more often than not, if I have a client who didn't use me for incorporation, let's say they used a service or like or another attorney who maybe didn't handle uh, startup law, I find that I have to draft the majority of these documents that the investors are requesting. Couple in the time that it takes to draft all those documents and then hunt down former co workers, co founders who've already left the startup before you round. It can take quite a bit of time to get through this whole process. It's interesting too, because something you want to watch out for, and going back full circle on this, on being incorporated the right way, for lack of a better way to say it, is I've noticed too that when you have to find former co-founders to sign certain agreements, let's say assignment of IP agreements, for example, more often than not, the co-founder is going to, the former co-founder, I should say, is going to be smart enough to realize that this might be due in connection to a future financing and you're going to be kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're going to want some sort of compensation From that to be able to sign that agreement when they should have signed it from day one and it wouldn't be an issue. So don't find yourself in that situation. Please make sure that you have all these documents in place before you get this far. Now compare all that to what your due diligence process looked like in your seed round, which is probably very, very light. Most likely it was just the pitch deck, maybe a little bit more than that. And very unlikely that you had to do any corporate cleanup, you can start to see why the Series A due diligence process is something else entirely. The final difference between the two rounds is in the term sheet itself. Now, if you had a priced seed round, you sold preferred stock in your seed round, then you're pretty familiar to what the Series A term sheet would look like. However, the Series A term sheet is... Longer and it has more robust terms than what was in your seed round. With that being said, what is the Series A term sheet? Well, most obviously, it's the most coveted document in the startup community. Everybody's always talking about how they've either got one, they have one in the pipeline, or they're hoping to get one soon. We all hear these stories, and it just further fuels every founder's desire to get one. But before we talk about how to get one, we need to discuss what a term sheet is. I've mentioned in previous discussions that the term sheet is a simple, I don't want to say simple, it's more complex than that, but it's a non-binding agreement and it's the negotiating tool for the entire round. It's going to list all the relevant and important terms of the deal. So a lot of clients ask me, well, how do I get a term sheet? That's... little bit of a loaded question because it's one it's not easy nothing nothing ever is and two there's a lot more that goes into it than my answer here but i will say or i do say to them that one of the more determinants of future success in getting one is by starting early you're going to go through a lot of no's before you get to a yes and the sooner you start hitting the pavement the sooner you'll be able to raise your series a before your company runs out of money now of course None of this is guaranteed. And like I mentioned earlier, a lot goes into getting a term sheet. More than just starting early, you have to have good product market fit, accelerating traction, a good founding team, right timing, and sometimes just plain old luck. I often have clients ask me, after they get a term sheet, they're really concerned about the fact that it's non-binding. They ask me, well, since it's non-binding, does that mean the investor isn't going to go through with the deal. They're going to be able to pull out for some reason. And I understand where this concern is coming from, considering the amount of time and effort it takes to get this term sheet and that your company needs the injection of cash. And while the answer is technically yes, since it's non-binding, they don't have to go through with the investment. Very rarely does that actually happen in real life, especially with the more reputable venture capital firms, the ones who've been in business longer. You're more likely to run the risk of a firm backing out after signing a term sheet if they're newer or maybe they only do like one or two investments a year. I tell my clients the only way that a venture capital firm will back out of the deal after signing the term sheet is for one of two reasons from what I've seen. One, you either lie to them about some core concept of the business or two, you have some infixable, I should say unfixable, problem in regards to who owns the IP in the company. Building off of that, I often get asked, okay, well, since it is non-binding, that means I can just go ahead and sign the term sheet and then I can change any terms that I don't like later, right? The answer to that is a resounding no. It's very important that you that you know this because I do understand the urge to sign any sheet of paper that's given to you sign that term sheet. An investor says they want to invest $12 million in your company. Be very hard not to just say, okay, where's the sheet? Where's a pen? I'll sign it right then and there. You need to resist that urge because like I said, you don't, you want to make sure that you know what you're agreeing to. And if you find a term in there that you don't like, it's not like you can just go back to the investor and say, oh, let's take that out. Can we change this? Can we change that? That's not how venture capital firms and their attorneys work deals. And the only way you can get a term changed after you sign the term sheet is if you have a good reason, like a really, really good reason. And I didn't review it with my attorney is certainly not one of those good reasons. I alluded to it earlier and building off that it's very imperative that you have a startup attorney review any term sheet that you're given. I say startup attorney because these attorneys review these term sheets day in and day out and they can explain the terms and narrow the focus of the negotiations onto which terms need to be contested or not. I typically tell clients that when they're having conversations with the VC and they're about to get a term sheet or maybe they've gotten one or they're discussing some sort of terms, I tell them oh, I tell them two things. I tell them, one, feel free to only, well, one, you should only negotiate business terms in real time. By business terms, I mean like, you know, the valuation. That's something that you as the founders are going to know better than me, for example. However, the second thing I tell them is if there are any discussion of any other terms, hit the pause break right there. Don't negotiate those in real time. Let me know. Get me in on the process so I can make sure that you're getting the best deal. The simple truth of the matter is that some terms are more important than others. And when you're negotiating these terms, you want your attorney's advice and input on that high level negotiation is a give and take process. And if you're going to bicker over every single term in the term sheet, and these term sheets can be anywhere between like 13 to 16 pages, not only are you going to frustrate your attorney and the investor, but you're also going to ensure that the investor is going to win the negotiation on the terms that actually matter. As I mentioned earlier, there are two broad categories of terms. The first are economic terms. Now, these are the, you got to think of these, these are like monetary rights and protections regarding the investment. Essentially, they're there to fortify the investor's return. The second are control terms. Now, these give investors a check on important decisions that affect the company Essentially, you have to get their blessing before you do certain actions. Now, we're not going to dive into each one of those today, but it's important that you know those two broad terms for when we start discussing them in future episodes. So with that being said, how do you choose the right term sheet? Well, sometimes a startup finds itself in the fortunate position of having to choose between two different term sheets. If you are one of the lucky ones who finds yourself in that position, it's important that you take a holistic approach and look to other factors besides the deal. You should take a process that's very similar to the one you took when you're evaluating an accelerator. If you took one or if you remember from last week's discussion, you need to probe the VC firm to determine their reputation, the relationship dynamics between them and portfolio companies, what else can they bring to the table besides a check? And how many portfolio companies went on to have a successful exit? You know, Get in contact with those portfolio company CEOs to get their unfiltered opinion on what it's like to work with the VC firm. Determine if they have any contacts to people, groups, organizations, anyone or anything that can help your startup in your industry. Investigate their deal flow. Deal flow is the number of leads for potential portfolio companies that a firm gets. The more successes, successful investments in companies, the higher the firm's reputation, which in turn increases their deal flow, making them, you know, the real deal. High level, they should bring more to your company than just a check. Every so often I have clients who get stuck in what I call a term sheet void. Now the void is when you've had Several positive discussions with people from firms, and then maybe you've tossed out a few deal terms and figured out what those are going to be. And then after those conversations, all of a sudden the firm either goes radio silence or the people you were talking to, you just kind of get the feeling that they're just, they're just leading you on. If you find yourself in this situation, you know, the best course of action is just to ask them for a term sheet. You know, if investors want to invest, if they want to invest, they'll do it. They'll produce the term sheet. After you ask if they don't give you one, well, then that's just a sign right there that it's time to move on to somebody else. Interestingly enough, I've sometimes found that it's the founders who put themselves in this void. This mainly happens when they don't know or understand who they're talking to. So I've had clients who've come to me all excited because they just had a conversation with somebody at a venture capital firm. And rightfully so. I mean, it's an exciting time for anybody, right? But once I kind of dig deeper a little bit, I find that the person that they talk to doesn't have any sort of deal-making ability. And, you know, that takes the wind out of their sails right there. You know how these firms work? Most of them have employees with the rank of or the title, I should say, of principal or associate Now, these people, their job is to source potential portfolio companies, reach out to their CEOs, get as much information about those companies as they can, so that if there is a good fit for investment, then they'll push that on to the partners to have them make the final determination on whether this company is good enough to invest in. And that's just a high-level crude overview of it all. There's more that goes into it than that. But it's important to know that, that it's the partners who have the final making authority, and a venture capital firm, typically. Also, one final point on this is that most firms require more than one pitch before investing. So big picture, one positive conversation with the firm and one pitch does not equate to a term sheet. As we all know, in life, nothing is ever easy and things can be more complicated than they appear. And that is definitely true of the Series A, its term sheet and everything that encompasses it. Many focus on the document itself, which is very important and which we will discuss later on, but few fail to see or consider some or all of the other aspects that we discussed today. And I hope now you have that picture in mind for when you approach this round, you're gonna be better for it. In the end, the Series A term sheet is multifaceted and it should not be approached without the help, guidance and advice from your startup attorney. Well, I wish I could order another round with you, but unfortunately it's time to go. If you'd like to learn more about what was discussed today, head on over to my blog at Kusma Legal. that's k-u-s-s-m-a-u-l-legal.com. Also be sure to follow me on Twitter at Tech startup Attorney. that's attorney spelled A-T-T-Y, on Clubhouse at startup Attorney, and on Instagram at startup underscore attorney. I hope you enjoyed our time together, your beverage of choice and that you learned something useful more importantly i hope you enjoyed this much-needed break from running your startup being a founder is stressful and it's important to take breaks every once in a while while you're always taking care of your startup you shouldn't forget to take care of yourself see you next time everything discussed in this episode is purely educational in nature and should not be interpreted in any way as legal advice specific to your startup If you have any questions about what was discussed on today's show and how it pertains to your startup or situation, please consult with your legal counsel.